Welcome to the Providence Community Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Nathan Herndon. If you would like to stay connected with us, download our app, Providence Community, or visit our website, providencecommunity.org. If you have your Bibles, open to Philippians chapter 3 and to Luke chapter 2. We've got a Christmas passage there in in Luke chapter 2. And then Philippians 3 is one of my favorite passages uh, in the world, but it's it's set up um, in verses 2 and 3 with something very foundational to Christianity that I I want us to look on there. But I want to have an important conversation this morning with you all about worshiping Jesus. Um, I would say that the... Worship is one of the things that uh, this house is known for, and I'm excited about what God is doing here. Did you see that Amber was back, right? Man, what a blessing. And I love, I love, 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 like don't hear for a second that I, I'm trying to like uh, around the corner like preaching towards the people at Providence. Like if, if, I have a, if I have an issue with what goes on the stage, I'll have a biblical conversation with them off the stage, like I'm not, I'm not preaching towards something. Like I, I, wanna, I wanna preach towards Jesus here in our hearts. But I think that what we've done is we've done a lot of worship and not taught much about worship uh, and the, the teaching and the experience of worship and going after God and glorifying him in song and dance and shofars and you know, waving flags and all that stuff, but actually going after Jesus as an in, in individual worship too throughout the week that makes Sunday explosive. Uh, all of that is super important. We need to talk about that and teach about that. Uh, I'm, I'm the kind of person that uh, the way that God's wired me, pretty random, pretty good in a conversation, um, not great at teaching, but I'm going to give it a go this morning, all right? So, but uh, the, as far as my, my speaking gifts, I love to speak into things and to share vision and stuff, but we really need to hear some good teaching on worship. Um, I want us to grow in worship even though it's the strength of this house. I want to teach it into our heart. But I'm also concerned not just uh, for this church, but the Big C Church in general. I'm concerned about the Big C Church and do we even know what worship is, okay? Uh, We go to lots of worship stuff and we love lots of worship leaders. Uh, But worship is more than liking a musician. Come on, right? Um, worship is much more than that. Musicians God uses to lead in worship. But I want to talk about um, worshiping Jesus. It's an important conversation for many reasons because when I was growing up, maybe about 10 or 12 years old, I remember these things called worship wars. And that's when churches uh, had a civil war against one another because some people wanted drums on the stage and other people uh, didn't. And some people wanted electric guitar on the stage and others didn't. We, we had some pioneers just to say, you know, you can beat a drum to the glory of God, and you can play electric guitar to the glory of God. So, you know, so, some churches, there's still worship where that, uh, in that capacity, that's not here. I think uh, more often today, a worship war comes on uh, the honking of a shofar, or the rattling of a tambourine, or the waving of a flag, or the dancing and dancing and dancing in church. And is that okay, or is that just emotionalism? And once again, we get into the motive police conversation. They just, they just need to, to stop, you know. Um, but nothing concerns me more than the reality that worship has be, become a good to consume. That concerns me the most. Merry Christmas, you know. Um, this is, man, I, I felt it just go wham. It just got super heavy. So let me stay there for a while. The worship is not a good that you consume. Do you know that? And we're, we're not trying to package it as one. Um, worship is, is uh, it has a lot of, a lot of 
powerful applications, but it's, it is not a good that you consume. Uh, worship has become something today that you actually rate on, on Google. You can rate churches on Google, and you can go to Google and just basically saying, hey, the preaching was uh, fine, pastor talks fast and stutters a lot, but uh, if you can get over that, the worship was amazing. And I, I'm just like, wow, I, I, can't, I can't picture for a moment that that would be okay in the early church. People were friendly. Kids ministry wasn't. Kids ministry was great. Young adult ministry didn't exist. Like, we, this, is how, this is how we consume church these days. And just can you imagine these, these martyrs in the early church that were literally laying down their lives for others? They didn't have time to motive police anybody. They, they only had time just to pour their entire life out for the cause of Christ on other people. Can you imagine they were, that, that they could dream of a day where you can go online and tell everybody your opinion about a church that's just doing their best? Can you, can you, can you believe that? Like, this is crazy. And I think that, that many times we see worship as the centerpiece to argue over. Can you imagine the shepherds on the, on the night that they're in the field and the angels show up to announce the birth of Jesus Christ? And can you imagine after all that is done and myriads and myriads of angels are worshiping under an open heaven? And the, the shepherds just say, hey, did you like that? <laughs> were, were, were you okay with that? Because I just feel like, you know, that 20-foot tall angel in the third row, like they just had a weird look on their face and they, they needed like pitch correction, you know? Like I'm not, I'm just like, yeah, like I, I know a lot of people that could do it better. Like it, I, me being one of them, give me my shot. You know, and that is how, that is how we do it. Like, I'm just like, I'm just, can you tell that I'm a little appalled? I think you are too, but it's like, guys, we, worship is bigger than this, is it not? You know, worship is bigger than somebody's personality on a stage and worship is bigger than, than all of our, all of our stuff. Like, I, I just, I want to talk about getting back to the purity of just worshiping Jesus. And I do want to say that it is happening in this house. It's wonderful. I, I love to see it. Can we just give God a, a praise offering? Like, God, you're, you're doing like... But we want to keep going in this direction, right? So, so let's actually go to Philippians just for a moment. Philippians chapter 3, starting with, with uh, 2 and 3. And now this is very interesting. It's, uh, it's Paul writing to the Philippians. And he says this, look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look, at, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Now, if you don't read that in context, like you can, and you just supply your own definition to that, like <laughs> it could go a lot of different ways. Let me tell you who Paul is, is referring to. Is Paul's referring to people uh, in his day called the Judaizers. Now, the Judaizers were confusing because they said they believed in Jesus and that you need to put your faith in him. But what precedes faith in Jesus is adherence to all of the law. All right, so they would say, yeah, follow, you know, follow Jesus, you know, uh, you know, accept Jesus, put your faith in Jesus, but first you need to uphold all of the law in order to do that. And so what Paul says is, is you guys are like false prophets. You guys are false teachers. And uh, Paul even uh, warns the Philippians here to look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who would mutilate the flesh because their big thing was not the treasuring of Jesus and faith in Jesus. Their big thing was you have to be circumcised in order to be a part of the people. People of God. So he's literally talking about those who mutilate the flesh, and, he's in, and it's, it's no longer uh, religious, it's, it's mutilation is what he says. Now listen to this in, in verse 3, though. Um, here's, here's how he separates the Judaizers' false gospel 
from the real gospel is it's worship. It's worship. For we are the real circumcision. Well, how do you know, Paul, who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh? So where the Judaizers were putting confidence in their flesh uh, like in circumcisions, like you have to do stuff to be okay with God. Paul was calling that heresy and error. He's like, actually being a Christian is about not putting any confidence in yourself. Being a Christian is about worshiping by the Spirit of God and glorying in Christ Jesus. This is what sets us apart from the Judaizers. You see this? So the Judaizers would say they believe in Jesus, but you couldn't truly follow him without a, abiding by all the, all the laws, man-made ceremonial laws, Old Testament laws. Do you know that Jesus, uh, Jesus upheld and obeyed all of the laws for us? This is the beauty, the beauty of the, the gospel, is that, that Jesus didn't say, hey, now I did it to be a good example of you, now you just follow in my example and we'll see how you do. That's not it. Jesus did it to give it. Do you hear this? Jesus was righteous to give us his righteousness. This is what happens. It's called justification. And justification happens through faith, not by a stress-filled obedience. When we put our faith in Jesus, Jesus says, all of my righteousness I give to you. And when the Father looks at you as a Christian who has received the gospel, he sees the righteousness of Christ. That's why we're welcome to sons and daughters into the kingdom. Anybody? You knew that, right? You knew that, though, right? All right. So the, the distinction between the actual people of God and the religious spirit, which I'm, which I'm calling the Judaizers, they're operating in a, re, in a religious spirit. The, dip, the distinction between the actual people of God and the religious spirit is worship by the spirit of God. Not worship by rules, not worship by traditions, not worship by religion. Okay, the Judaizers were taking all of their achievements and all of their good works, and they're presenting them to God as worship. The problem is, that is not what worship is. God is not looking for you to say, hey, look at all I did for you this week. God is not looking for you to say, hey, look how righteous, I'm giving you my righteousness here today. No, that is not how it works, it's not Christianity. The, the, that is the religious spirit and the, uh, spirit and the Judaizers are taking all their achievements, all their good works, they're presenting them to God as worship and it, and it sounds really good if, if, if it's packaged right. It sounds really like these are the kinds of people that seem so moral, so wholesome, we make them leaders so quickly. But the startling, startling realization for the religious minded is that God has never been looking for worship, listen, God has never been looking for worship consisting of man-made, striving-filled, stressed-out, fear-laden, obligatory rules. That's never been it. We don't follow rules to get in good with God. We, we follow rules because we love him out of relationship. So we, we never follow rules out of, out of trying to impress God. And I love how Jesus says it. He's actually uh, quoting Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah 29, 13, I believe it is. But, but Jesus quotes Isaiah in Matthew 15, 8 and 9. We don't have this on the screen. Just listen. It says this. Jesus is saying, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me. You, you hear this? They're saying all the right things. They're crossing the T's. They're dotting the I's. They actually have you know, half-decent theology-ish but in vain do they worship me. Why? 
Is it in vain? Why does it not work, in other words? Why, why, why do you not receive that as worship? Well, because they're teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So I just take that to mean, guys, from the, from the mouth of, of Jesus, as Jesus is quoting this, I take that to mean that you can follow rules without your heart. And the reason that is a problem is because Jesus isn't looking for your performance. He's looking for you. He's looking for your heart. You know, I, I think it's interesting that, that when we sing a song like, Jesus, I'm just glad that you're here. I love your presence. One of the critiques of that is you're making it all about you. You're worshiping yourself. Have you heard, have you heard that before? Let me, yeah, well, I have a lot. <laughs> For all, all over the place. Just you YouTube something and you'll find that, all right? But here's, here's one of the things. Um, my wife just ran her sixth marathon. I did not get her permission to share that, but I, I'm, I'm proud of my wife, just, just bragging on her. So a few weeks ago, I did a funeral right here, and then I got in the car, and I left to see my wife, who just ran her sixth marathon. Personal best, by the way, personal, as far as, yeah, she's an absolute beast. But when we got together, you know, I was going there for her. But when I showed up, like, we had a conversation. And somewhere along, like, my heart got filled with, like, affection for my wife. And I was just like, I'm, I'm so glad I'm just here with you. Okay? Just, this is how relationship works. I'm just so glad to be here with you right now. Okay? Um, my wife did not respond with, you selfish, prideful, pompous, arrogant pig. All right? You, you keep continually making all of this about yourself. So you are glad that you are here with me. There's two yous and one me. Come on. <laughs> she didn't say that. Because actually what I was saying was a part of worship in relationship. When I say I am glad to be here with you, I'm not making it about me. I'm sharing the affections in my heart for my wife. All right, and so what, we're getting so critical about the, the love songs that we sing, that when a lovesick son or daughter says to their father who rescued them, all right, I love hanging out with you. I just wanna move your heart. All I wanna do. Like we have to be very careful that we don't fall off the theological cliff and make friends with Judaizers that say, you're making it all about you. That is self-worship. It is not. Amen. It is saying there's no one else I'd rather be with. And that is a genuine part of worship. It's a genuine response to the greatness of who God is. Amen. See, a, a genuine response to the glory of Jesus not an offering of good works or achievements. Like I didn't walk up to my wife and say, so I did this for you and I did this for you and I did this, do you like me, do you like me? And she said, she already does, I know it, all right? It's just like a celebration of the relationship that we have. And Jesus is saying, listen, you can honor me with your lips, you can sing all the right songs, you, you can critique and exegete every line from every song, but if your heart wasn't in it, if you don't even like to hang out with me. It was worship in vain. And we see this in Luke chapter 2, verse 8 to 20, which I already mentioned that, but this is, this is the, the context here is the shepherds in the field, and, and they have a massive, you know, night that Jesus was born worship service in the hills. We're on a hill. You want to have an angel worship? So you want to worship with angels today? Like, wouldn't that be fun? Right? So listen to this. It says, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. 
Man, I was going to save this for the end, but I just want to say it now. So there's shepherds in the field. Usually, you know, and I, I don't want to, you know, I just want to you know, say the facts. The, usually shepherds in the field were dudes. All right? And I love that the first worship service at the incarnation was with regular cowboy dudes. All right? Because really shepherds are just like modern day cowboys. If a bear comes, they kill it. You know, you know King David, lions, bears, they're not, they're not scared of them. These are, these are manly men, and, uh, but ordinary, low on the, on the totem pole as far as finances go. And they're just, try, they're just making a living and they're just doing what they do. And angels appear to these guys. Guys, remember in the beginning that I, I said that, that uh, worship is more like being a knight around King Arthur's round table and fighting for his glory than it is singing a Justin Bieber song to a chick. You know what I'm saying? All right? And we've got to stop hanging out somewhere where we don't have to hear these love songs because it's like we feel like it's a man crush instead of you being called into knighthood, okay? This is, we have to have men that, that prepare the way and are manly enough to be okay with the affections of their heart for their father, all right? Um, You've got, got a lot to say on that one, but I really believe that God is using people like Jason Driver, uh, to pioneer that here. You know what, I would be praying for Jason Driver because he's what, he's six foot six, like absolutely f- a ferocious man with a heart like Jesus, you know? And he's pioneering something. He's usually on his face or his knees and he's, he just doesn't give a care. And I love that. We gotta be praying for him because I, I, I didn't ask you this, brother, but I'm sure the enemy is coming after you, all right? Because you're being used as a pioneer to actually set things right and more biblically and he's probably ch- trying to chase you back to your seat would be my guess. But we have to, we have to uh, rise up, not hide from, the, from lovesick affections, but we actually have to enter into them to really get in tune with the heart of worship. So the angels appear, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Now, I don't want to bypass that either, all right? Angels appear, and the glory of the Lord. This wasn't the angel's glory. This was the Lord's glory, and so when we read that, we, we kind of, it's, it's easy to pass over, but I want to pause there for a moment and teach us what that actually means. When we say the glory of the Lord shone around them, here's what that is. It's, it's the presence of God made manifest for humans to see. And I would say not only see, but to enjoy. The God wants us to see his glory. He wants us to see his glory. And he wants us to respond to his glory with holy affections and say, wow, I love how you look. I love how you smell. I love how you are. I love being near you. There's nothing or no one like it. You're the best. And then that's bringing glory back to God. But so to say that the glory of the Lord shone around is not because angels showed up. It's because God manifested his glory in that worship gathering on the hill. It's the glory of God is God's character going public to be seen, or God's holiness being going public to be seen. It's the visible presence of God. It's, we know that he's holy, holy, holy. We know that he's righteous. We know that he's wonderful, but the glory of God is when all of that goes public to be seen. Um, Moses asked to see this in Exodus thirty-three eighteen when he says, please show me your glory. Can I tell you that it's, it's not selfish to want to see God's glory? It's worship. 
Seeing the glory of God is actually the deepest cry of the human soul. And we settle for what C.S. Lewis called, calls mud pies in the slums when we could be enjoying a holiday at the sea, right? But C.S. Lewis is saying we settle for way less spectacular things than God who is glorious. And God made you himself, for himself. And so he's wired into your fabric a deep cry. He's put a, a cry in the human soul to see glory and be astounded. This is why I am so glad that my son is playing basketball on the varsity team now because I was getting tired of like third grade ball. All right, not very glorious, important for growth. But now we're, we're gotten some people like dunking and swatting shots and, and his, the glory has risen, come on. And then you actually pay five bucks to get in that one. The, the first ones, they pay you, you see, right? So you just gotta, ah, uh, right? But the, uh, David said in Psalm 27, four, one thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Now let's not miss this part, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Same exact word for glory. So when we're talking about the glory of God, we're talking about how beautiful God is or the beauty of God. So David says, I've, this is my one request, this is my one thing. I wanna hang out where God is, not because I'm trying to oblige him, not because I'm trying to respect him. This isn't even out of reverence. This is out of desire. I wanna see who he is, how beautiful he is, and then I wanna ask him questions about him for the rest of my days. So Jesus, in John chapter 17, verse 24, uh, says this, he's praying, he says, Father, I desire Stop there, Jesus desired, friends. Being a Christian is not letting go of your desires. Being a Christian is maximizing your desires and actually aiming them in the right direction instead of things that'll kill you. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am. Why? To see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. John 17, 24. So after this is, this is happening and Shepherds are on the field and an angel comes and the glory of the Lord shines around. Then the angel preaches a sermon. This is like a church gathering, my friends. The angel preaches a sermon. It's a really good sermon. Um, the, 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 here's what it is. The angel said to them, fear not. Behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. He's breaking down. This is no longer about being Jewish. This is about being a, a person. God wants people. He's, he's paying for people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling, swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And then, then it's like the, the worship band gets back up. All right? We just had this glorious, it's wonderful, we hear a sermon, it's great. But then the worship band gets back up in verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God. All right? Now a multitude of the heavenly hosts. Like, so the host of heaven and the droves are now worshiping God. Can, <laughs> the shepherds weren't expecting that. Why is this? 
why is this not enough maybe this year? Why do we have to you know, go back into worship? You, you shared your message with us, we got the information. Like, just like stop wasting our time with the heavenly host worship thing, all this stuff. Like, we don't need that, we got the information. That's what much of Christi- Christianity has taught us, it's just a transfer of information. But actually Christianity is information, but it's also massive soul-wrecking, life-changing experience. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. And here's what they're doing is they're not just preaching more sermons. You know, I'm not anti-sermons at all. It's actually, you know, I kind of do them for a living, right? You know I'm not anti-sermon. But the the service, well, here's something that we can grow in. The service shouldn't be, the the gathering of believers shouldn't be sermon-centered. It should be presence-centered, Right? Right? Shouldn't, it, shouldn't the, the sermon actually give way to greater expression and adoration and encounter with God? Shouldn't after a sermon, shouldn't the angels want to appear and just like pour out more? And we're like, hey, I know we got to pick up our kids, but just a few more minutes. Right? And the amazing thing is we don't know how long this happened. Suddenly there was with it. We know that it happened suddenly, but we don't know how long it went. A multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, like, I, I'm just encouraging us here, and I, I, don't, I don't know this, I can only speculate, but let's not just suppose it happened for 30 seconds. Maybe it happened for three hours. Like, like maybe nobody wanted to stop, because you ever you read what they're, what they're singing? Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And they're just showing up to sing that. Glory to God in the highest. So now, once we've seen God's glory and we've seen that he is better and greater and more magnificent than everything, we're glorifying him by enjoying him. One theologian says, says it this way, that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And satisfaction happens in the heart. It doesn't, doesn't happen in actions necessarily. It starts in the heart. It's gonna change your life and your actions, but it starts in the heart. And if you're just doing actions, going through emotions, but it's not in your heart, it's just not worship. So glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, peace among those whom he is pleased. I love that. I, I, I want to I, I contend this morning that in worship, the content of the song is more important than the sound of the song. All right? Because it doesn't say, it says that the heavenly host appeared and they're praising God, but they didn't say what the song sounded like. Now, I'm sure that it was insanely incredible. I'm sure there was nothing like it. I'm sure the, <laughs> the uh, shepherds were like, what in the world? This sound is sick. It's amazing. But what actually shows up is not what it sounds like. What shows up is, is the content that the sound was kind of being abridged to. All right? And the content was Glory. Glory to God in the highest. God, we're lifting you higher than everything else. And so what I would call that is just adoration. The content of the song, glory to God in the highest. In other words, man, we enjoy you so much. Just be lifted high. Be lifted high above every other pleasure. Be lifted high above every other dream. Be lifted high above every other desire. Be lifted high above all other things. You are the highest. That is adoration. When we give glory to God, here's what happens is when we're adoring God, we're ascribing worth to God. Not that we're giving worth to God. God can't get any more. He already is. But when we're ascribing worth to God. In other words, we're recognizing how valuable and how how high and lifted up he actually is. We're recognizing his worth and this is glorious. God loves it when we do that. He's not selfish. 
He's God-centered, right? So we've seen your glory, and you're better than everything, and our hearts adore you for who you are. That's why I call adoration. It, it could be mistaken as selfishness by a Pharisee. But it, it, is, it is just magnificent worship to God. Uh, one pastor that I love to listen to, Michael Koulianos, he says, adoration eats declaration for breakfast. All right? And so when, when we're starting with worship, we gotta be starting with adoration. We gotta be, uh, uh, we gotta be starting with praise. Praise is the expression of admiration for someone or something. So in worship, we're, exp- uh, we're uh, expressing admiration. It's not just adoration, but it's admiration. We're admiring God for who he is, for what he's done. We're like, whoa! Right? And then there's exaltation of God. And exaltation means to lift up, to hold high, to regard very highly. And what exaltation declares is God is better than everything. He is high and he is exalted above all else. And this is, this is the, the heartbeat of what worship is. God is better and I get to know him. I get to be, God, I'm so glad that you're here today. Like, I don't deserve you, but wow, thanks for Jesus. And so that the, the shepherds go and share this test. Well, actually, before I go there, I want to say this. So glory to God in the highest. So there's adoration, but there's also declaration in the worship. Do you hear this? And on earth, peace among those whom he is pleased. So they're speaking like a word of declaration over the people of the earth. You see that? We got to be careful. Like that just because something sounds like declaration doesn't mean that it's, it's not worship and it's like person focused. All right. So the shepherds go and they share this testimony, just like Dana did, all right? Look, look what just happened to us. And they share the testimony with Mary and Joseph. And we, you know, we see that in this part. They find Jesus swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, born as king in a feed trough. <laughs> the humility of Jesus. It says, verse 19, Mary treasured up all these things that the shepherds had just shared with her, pondering them in her heart. And look at verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So the shepherds did not return raiding the service. <laughs> See, it was pretty good, but you know, if it would have been a little shorter, that would have been, that would have been cool. Like we didn't need to sing that last song. We could have just gotten out quicker. All right, like I, I'm, I'm sorry guys to like, to beat this like, like a nail. I, I'm just beating it like a nail because I always hear it and it's just wrong, all right? So at Providence, you, you've got to understand when we first started Providence, I was like so desperate just to see the church grow because you got to get it growing in those early stages that I, I left what the Holy Spirit wanted to do in those early days of Providence. And the kindness and the grace of, of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, Spirit still moved in an hour and 15 minutes. But if we went over the hour and 15 minutes, anybody here for those things? I was like adamant. I'd apologize 16 times for preaching a little too long. And if I hadn't have done that, I would have ended it on time. You know, it was just, it was just, but those were days where the focus was ending on time because what the church has become too much is, is you know, a good to consume for people. And then people are just like, man, it was good, but I, I can't give you, I have to give you three out of five stars because it was just a little too long and, I, and we, we didn't get to Genova's uh, head of the pack. <laughs> like this, this is the, guys, you gotta you got hear this. Like I'm not, just imagine being in my shoes for a second just hearing this stuff all the time. Like wait, 
Jesus showed up and was like healing people. And even if he wasn't, like he's there and we're all gathered and we just want to make a big deal of him. Why would we ever want to leave that? You know, but, uh, but it just went too long. That one angel, like, you know, I didn't like his voice in the back row or was like, he, he, play, he was playing the, you know, the, the leer too loud. You know, it's just that the shepherds were so consumed with the vision that they just got of heaven and of God and the, the incarnate son of God that they had no time to rate. And I probably think they lost track of time as they got consumed with the central factor in worship. And that is our heart's response to the beauty of God. Our heart's response to the beauty of God. Guys, this is, this is what worship is. Worship like starts from the heart and then erupts. And I think that so many of us um, in worship, like sometimes real worship is happening, it can happen in the heart, but we make excuses for when it's happening in our heart, why this is all that matters and why, and we give ourselves permission to stay in our seats, okay? And guys, when, have you ever been like so in love that you just wanna shout it from the rooftop? And it's on, it's on movies all the time. I'm in love, I'm in love, like Elf is the best. I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love, and I don't care who knows about it, right? <laughs> Right? Like it, makes, it makes sense. It makes sense, you know, that to, to us, we're like, oh, he's in love. But in the church, is the church, did the church lose its love sickness so we can't express anything to God anymore without feeling weird? I think that often what, what grips me, and I'm just saying from uh, experience as I'm wrestling this through too, is that I'm afraid to express myself to God because of uh, motive police. That's what happens, and kind of maybe shine a light on some of my own mode of policing, where right? I'm actually policing myself. My heart's about to explode. I'm just afraid to share it. Like, I, I got too much Pharisee in me sometimes. I think we all do, right? Yeah, th- listen, you know, remember how I talked about uh, uh, men, you know, and, and these shepherds and stuff? I just want to single out men just for a moment because uh, the worship of the incarnate God became, began with shepherds. And like I said this, I, Worship is not a time where, where you're forced into a man crush on, on some dude, all right? It's a, time, it's a time to battle for the glory of God, starting in your own heart and then for others. You know, and, and man, I, I just want you to hear this. Like, we, we need you not sitting out in the foyer, but in here going after it. We really need you. I think some of the, the, the listen, the, the opposite of masculinity is passivity. And when, when you're, you're showing the whole body, and you're showing my kids, and you're showing everybody else's kids that I'm skipping the music and I'm just gonna have a conversation. I'm just gonna do this. That is not a Jesus church. Do you know, let me, I brought some pictures today. I just want you to see this. I want you to see men actually doing what they're, they're born to do. Can we show this first one here? You see that? Every single Sunday I watch men worship as I watch the Washington football team actually battling for a, a, a wild card spot by you say that God doesn't do miracles, come on, right? But here's a guy, obviously a Chargers fan. Like, can you imagine that guy? Actually, I didn't want to leave that one yet. This one is too gross, all right? Hold on a second. But obviously a, Char- a Chargers fan, like this guy painted himself and his voice wasn't loud enough. He has, to, he has to make his voice louder. And these are the kind of guys that come and they, they, they just like, they sit back and say, ah, not in church. What, well, the, what you're operating right there is a, is a God thing. You're just aiming it in the wrong direction, guys, all right? 
This, this next one, this guy is actually very biblical because he's, he's worshiping uh, more like David than anyone. Like, he just like, like, he's like, I don't care that I'm not ripped. And what, he's got a megaphone as well. He's like, he's like, let's maximize the voice. Like, I'm just like, the Broncos are the best. Like, how, how many people don't want to be like this guy? Kind of, or at least hang out with him. Are you, are you serious? Like, we have another one here. I think we have two more. Um, the, here's a guy, horrible team, but uh, horrible team, yeah. And actually, man, those are fighting words for men, right? Like, oh, don't knock my team. Well, how about this? Like, hey, listen, receive the call to be a knight in the kingdom and to begin to fight for the glory of God. You can like a team, but like, like your allegiance is to Jesus. Like, I, I literally, I wanna see men wear costumes coming to church. That, this is, this is, that is actually what discipleship is, guys. It's like when one generation commends the works and wonders of God to the next. And when children see men coming to church, not, not being as aloof as they can, but as engaged as they can, it's gonna, it's gonna communicate something to a generation. But here's a guy, he's not afraid to show up in pub, public with a, with a beak on his face. Are you kidding me? Let's see, is there, we have, I think we have one more here. Now, the most hated team in all of sports right here, right? But uh, yeah, and I don't even know what he's doing. And it's like he just doesn't even care. Can we, we have one more too, it's not men. It's, yeah, well there's that guy, just skip past him. So skip past him. Like man, but it's like men being men. And here's another thing, like, like women here, all right, going to football church in the cold, all right? But you come, you come to church and here, complaining about like 70 degrees and while, while we're sitting through a blizzard. Like, I just like, guys, listen, you can take this off now. Like, like just uh, does it really matter what the temperature is in here? You know, does it really matter? Like, guys, when we gather together, let's keep it real and let's have the temperature heated because the fire in our hearts. Let's, let's have that be the only uh, desire. Like the, the, the real fight is in the realm of worship. That's why, biblically speaking, in the Old Testament, you'd send the worshipers in front of the army. And we've gotta get, we've gotta get back to we're destroying strongholds and we're taking down darkness, not by complaining about other people or other movements or other stuff on social media stuff. Like, whenever we do that, we're, we're entering the realm of the world. And in the kingdom realm, worship is our front lines. Worship, prayer, fasting, desiring. It's a hard thing. We've gotta stop being okay with just showing up but not engaging. We've gotta stop being okay with passivity and doing, remember when I was, uh, when I, I was in the 90s, it's like, it was like this purity movement was going on. And so during the purity movement, um, which conceptually I'm okay with, how it acted out, man, it was so devastational because it was on a, it was just a, a false gospel. It was basically the gospel was, you know, wait to have sex till you're married and then your wedding night and your whole marriage will be awesome in that department, which is a very false gospel. And so you wait to have sex till you're married because you value Jesus over sex, all right? But it was preaching that false gospel and a lot of people fell into it. And I really feel like kind of like, as I was just wrapping up here and as I was preparing for this, it's like, it's like there's a generation that wanted to ask, how far can I go without it being sin? But I feel like what's happening in the church now is, is how passive can I be? How little can I do and it still be worship? 
just feel like it's, man, it's just we're repeating. It's like a dog returning to his vomit. It's just in a different generation. It's like, well, how much can I do? That's just showing like, God, I don't, I don't value you for my heart. My heart can't be satisfied by you. It has to be satisfied by this. And now today we're just like, well, how, how little can I do? And, that how I, and we, we use that, that gap between us and God to criticize and critique. Was it, have I been clear enough about that? It's just the opposite of worship is not the heart of Jesus. When everybody was critiquing the woman wasting her fortune on Jesus' head and feet, everybody was cr- critiquing, don't you know that? Why are we still okay with it? Man. So some of the questions that we ask is, did I feel comfortable in worship? When that shofar honked, was I, did I feel comfortable with that? Listen, I, I, uh, I know the person that, that honks that shofar. She was leading worship in the prayer room one day and I just, I just went and I sat there under her ministry. And I just got, it's like Jesus really spoke to me and Jesus told me, I like when she honks that. Listen, church isn't about if you like it or feel comfortable with it, it's about Jesus. The, the real question is, does Jesus like it? So whenever she honks that thing, like I, I'm just like, man, Jesus loves that. Jesus, you love that. But when did he stop being the center? Like the people that will argue that Jesus is not the center will get offended when somebody does something that actually makes him the center. It's just, it's just absolutely unthinkable now. How long did I have to stand? But I like providence, except I have to stand for an hour. Well, you don't have to stand. You could do what the word worship actually means, and that's lay prostrate before your God in reverence and joy. You can do that. Like, no one's forcing you to stand. You can sit, lay, roll, run, flip, cry. I don't do everything. Do all you want. Like, there's no, we, we invite you to stand just as a posture of like, hey, we're just going to stand in the presence of God. Let the King of glory come in. We can stand, but then after that, it's fair game. You can roll around if you want. You can, I, what, what, this is about Jesus. What's he, how do you, how do you, at a birthday party, when you're celebrating someone's birthday, how do you act for them? Do you blow things? That's, that's a modern day shofar. It's just like, it's like you, you celebrate and you clap and you sing. I love birthday parties. You get that grown man who can't sing, but since they love their little girl, they're like, happy birthday. It's like, where is that growl? Where is that undertone? Where is that lovesickness? Like, where is it? We need it in the church again. Like, did, did, I, did I like it? Has to be, it has to be banished. The question is, did Jesus like it? Did he like it? The question is not, did I approve of so-and-so's? Did I like when they, like that, it has to be banished, guys. It has to, it's, it's did Jesus. And Jesus constantly, if you wanna live a, a life that where comfort is your number one thing, you might be kind of nice, but you're gonna be very soft. You will not be tried in battle. You, you will not have, you don't grow muscles that way. You could be a freak like Chad Lagore and like just be naturally just a beast. All right, but most of us, and I meant the, the, the size of your body and strength, Chad, not like anything else besides that. You know what I mean? Like I just, just like he used to set the squat record in, in high school just without even trying, like all the time. Like some people are like this, you know, they're just beasts. But for the most part, if you just prioritize com- comfort, you, you, you never get trained and you never get dangerous. And so like comfort actually needs to be the enemy. God, what can I do in worship today that pulls me out of comfort that actually wants to be first? And what can I do to get out of comfort and actually train in glory realms? How can I partner with the angelic hosts? How can I enjoy Jesus in a new way? Or how about this one? Let me end with this one. 
do I even enjoy Jesus at all? Why don't we do this? Why don't we, we stop judging motives and glance in the mirror and start with the heart and ask ourselves, do I even like this man? Do I even love, is my heart even turned on a bit for this man? And we can list down through, well, it should be, it should be. But is it? But is it? But is it? But is it? This is the question. It's not about going through motions. It's not about, it's not about well, I did worship. The, 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 if they can just be motions, did worship come out of your heart, your body, your mind, your affections? Is it worship? And I just wanna blur this ending today. I just think that some of us just, just we're so used to saying that Jesus is first when comfort actually is. I just think that some of us just need to do, you don't need like an altar call. Maybe you do need to pray with some people. And I love the prayer team just to contend like nights for your hearts. But I think some of you just need to like do something very uncomfortable. Maybe it's kneel at your chair. Maybe it's lay on your face. Maybe it's apologize to a person in the room. Maybe it's just, it's, it's something dangerous. But church has to stop being consumed and church needs to go back to Jesus, making you more like him, calling him, him calling you into him. And it's gonna be good and it's gonna be wild. We may not be a mega church because we're not packaging this thing anymore but we're gonna be a Jesus church, and I like that. I'll be at Jesus church all day. 200 Jesus people, woo, come on, man, right? So, let's just pray with me right here. Jesus, you are worthy of all praise. Heavenly host, 120 foot angels sing your praise. Everything bows to you. Nothing stands in your way. You have literally conquered everything. God, we, we don't deserve you on our own merit. But miracle of miracles, you want us. Oh God, just let that sink in. And not only do you want us, but you, you don't operate in just that desire. You don't just play passive. You got off the throne, put on flesh, entered time and space not just to be an example, but to be our righteousness. You came to us when everybody else says you have to get to God. Because God, you came and found us. And God, we just want our hearts to respond to all this glory, all the glory that surrounds all the heaven's praise. All this, we, we, want, we want our eyes to be wet. We want our mouths to have laughter. We want to, God, we want our hearts to respond, God. We want to stop worshiping like the world at games, God. And we want our hearts, we want church to be at least a hundred times more wild than a game, God. So I just pray that you call us into that deeper and that passivity that we've been operating in, we repent of. And we just step into the, the new reality, the new kingdom reality of what you're calling us to be and do. We will be worshipers of Jesus. God, we, we don't have to muster this, God. Like this is, we just need to see you. Give us new glimpses of you, God. Give us new, a new taste of your awesomeness, we pray, Father. We bless you, we bless you, we bless you, we bless you, God. Thank you that you're patient with us. Thank you that we don't have to strive. And in fact, God, we just, we just say we're done with striving. This isn't striving, this isn't pharisaical. 
this is just relational with you, Jesus. Call us deeper in your heart, I pray in these days. And bless these people, God, with just the, the best season. That I just pray desire over this Advent season, God. Desire would build and culminate in a new, fresh, outpouring, new, fresh uh, seeing of Jesus in his glory. We bless you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you'd like to partner with us, you have the opportunity to give online at providencecommunity.org. 